This is class number 18 of the sisters' classes in which we are covering the tafsir of Surah Al-Fatiha. And we're also covering some matters of jurisprudence connected to women. And we're also covering benefits from the biographies of the mothers of the believers, the wives of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. In the tafsir of Surah Al-Fatiha, we covered the meaning of all of the verses. And in the last few classes, we were dealing with benefits from the works of Shaykh al-Islam Ibn Taymiyyah, rahimahullah ta'ala, regarding being different from the people of the book. As the statement of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala اهدنا الصراط المستقيم صراط الذين أنعمت عليهم غير المقبوب عليهم ولا الضالين guide us to the straight path the path of those whom your favor is upon not the path of those whom your anger is upon nor those who are astray this is a dua 
that the believer makes to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for guidance and the hidayah here is of three types hidayatul irshad hidayatul tawfiq and hidayatul thabat hidayatul irshad the guidance of direction what this means you're asking Allah to give you the knowledge of what's correct give you the knowledge of the shaykhah and then after hidayatul irshad hidayatul tawfiq where you ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to give you the success to follow the knowledge because not everyone who knows follows what they know or implements what they know so you're asking Allah for that knowledge or the guidance to what's right then you're asking Allah to give you success to follow what's right to do what's right and then lastly he died with thabat you're asking Allah to make you consistent upon knowing what's right and following what's right because sometimes a person knows the right thing to do sometimes and he follows it but yet he's not consistent he follows it for a period and then deviates or goes back to evil that he or she was upon so you're asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for the stability the consistency upon doing what's right until your death until you die so that when you are raised up on the day of resurrection Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala resurrects you upon goodness the goodness that you died upon so in general Surah Al-Fatiha it consists of all three categories of Tawheed Tawheed al-Rububiyyah Tawheed al-Ibadah and Tawheed al-Asma wa Sifat the monotheism of Lordship the monotheism of worship and the monotheism of the names and the attributes and the statement Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen all of the praise is due to Allah the Lord of the creation here you have all three categories of Tawheed all of the praise is due to Allah that's Ibadah and Asma wa Sifat as the name Allah is the greatest name and all of the other names follow the name Allah every name comes from the name Allah when you say Allah you're talking about Al-Alim, Al-Sameer, Al-Basir, Al-Kareem to the end so the ulama they say Al-Ism Al-A'zam huwa Allah that the greatest name, the magnific- the most magnificent name is Allah and every other name follows the name of Allah some ulama they say that is Al-Hayyu Al-Qayyum but Allah He is Al-Hayyu Al-Qayyum in any event the name Allah is the greatest name as all other names come from the name Allah and the praise it is a praise of ibadah a type of praise that is for Allah alone and not for creation there's a difference between us 
praising a person or mentioning good about a person and then the praise that we have for Allah. Big difference. For the praise that we give to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is a praise that is accompanied with love, fear, and submission. Different from when you praise a human being for a good quality that person may have. It's not an act of worship. It's just a good statement that you have said about someone. And sometimes a person may praise a person and he doesn't like the person. But you mention something good about the person's characteristic or the person's accomplishment or ability or the likes. But there's no love. And there is no fear. Different when we praise Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. As for Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim, the most merciful, the bestower of mercy, then without a doubt, this is from the names and the attributes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And it establishes the characteristic of mercy for Allah, which is a refutation against the likes of the Jahmiyyah and the Muratazila, those who deny the attributes of Allah. And the Jahmiyyah, they deny the names also, whereas the Muratazila, they affirm the names but deny the attributes of those names. But Ahl Sunnah or Jama'ah, we affirm both names and attributes for Allah. And whatever Allah Azawajal has affirmed for Himself, we affirm for Him. And whatever the Prophet Wasallam affirms for Allah, we affirm it before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And whatever Allah negates from Himself, then we negate it from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And whatever the Prophet negated from Allah, we negate from Allah. We don't describe Allah with that description. Another matter, Maliki Yawmuddin. This here is connected to the Rububiyah of Allah, His Lordship, as Allah is the owner of the Day of Judgment, or in the Qira'ah, Maliki Yawmuddin. Allah is the King of the Day of Judgment. So you have Maliki Yawmuddin and Maliki Yawmuddin. Both are correct. Maliki Yawmuddin is that Allah is the owner of the Day of Judgment. And ownership will be totally for Allah. As for the ownership of mankind, then it is gone. All our worldly possessions and things that we own in this dunya, it's over. And the ownership will be for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah, He will control the affairs on that day. And the people 
will be in total submission to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And Allah is Maliki Yawmiddin, the King of the Day of Judgment. All of the positions of leadership that the people had in the dunya, it's gone. Even in the narration, it mentioned Allah Azawajal on the Day of Judgment, He will ask, Aina Muluqud Dunya, where are the kings of the dunya? Wari. Allah Azawajal is the king of the kings. The greatest of the kings. No matter how great a king or a president or a ruler may be, Allah is the greatest king. And that is a reminder for all, even the people who have positions of leadership, that they have to stand in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and their position of leadership will not mean anything on that day. So the people have to fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and how they treat their subjects or those who are under their care. This is a reminder of standing in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on the day of judgment. As for iyyaka na'budu wa iyyaka nasta'een then this is connected to the worship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that Allah alone is to be worshipped. And Allah alone is the one we seek for help in carrying out His worship. For without the help of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala one will not have the ability to worship Allah. And this is the wisdom behind the statement, La hawla wa la quwwata illa billah. When we hear the mu'addin say, Hayya ala salah, Hayya ala salah, Hayya ala al-falah, Hayya ala al-falah. For each statement, we say, La hawla wa la quwwata illa billah. 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 That there is no might and there is no power except with Allah. Meaning that a person will not have the ability to answer that call of going to the prayer and going to success without Allah Azawajal giving him the ability, giving him the might. So we acknowledge this and we turn to Allah seeking his help. This doesn't mean that a person is not allowed to seek help from the creation. You can seek help from creation and that which they are able to do. And that which is within their ability. As Allah Azawajal mentions, Help and cooperate with one another upon righteousness and piety. We are commanded to do this, that we help and aid one another. So there's nothing wrong that a person says, we're going to clean up the masjid, we need some volunteers. That's not shirk Billah. This is within the ability of the people. Or we're going to give out some food to the poor. We need some brothers to help with this affair. But alhamdulillah, this is not shirk Billah that a person requests from the people support and help to distribute food to the poor. The shirk is when you turn to creation seeking help from them in a matter that only Allah can help you in. This is a shirk billah. And 
going to the likes of soothsayers and sorcerers, seeking aid and help from them regarding matters of the unseen and other than that. This is a shukbilazawajal. A sahara or the the sorcerer, he's not successful. And these individuals they work with the shayateen. And there is no sorcerer who deals with sorcery and not speaking about the delusion of the eyes but the actual sorcery except that he has disbelieved in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is when the shaitan comes and assists him. So the isti'ana is with Allah alone and that which Allah alone has the ability in. As for the other affairs in which a person can aid or help, then it's permissible to seek help from the people in these matters. Also, إِهْدِينَ الصِّرَاطَ الْمُسْتَقِيمِ is dua. In dua, as the Prophet said, الدُّعَا هُوَ الْعِبَادَةِ That dua is worship. So this is connected to the Tawheed al-Ibadah where you're asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for the guidance. As Allah azawajal, He is the one who controls, who is guided. As the Prophet, as Allah Azawajal said to the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, "Innaka la tahdi man ahbabta, walakin Allah yahdi man yasha." That indeed you do not guide who you love, meaning you are Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam, but Allah He guides whomsoever He wills. So guidance is in the hand of Allah, meaning the guidance of success. And the guidance of Thabat. Allah controls this. Who is going to be the one who follows the guidance and who's going to die upon the guidance? That's in the hand of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. As for the knowledge, then a person may have knowledge. A person may have the knowledge that can guide. The people, as the Prophet ﷺ did, but he did not control who was going to accept the guidance. As Allah mentions about the Prophet ﷺ, Indeed, you guide to a straight path. Some people may say, well, this is a contradiction in the Quran. One verse, Allah says to the Prophet Muhammad ﷺ, you do not guide who you love. But Allah guides whomever He wills. But then in another verse, Allah describes that the Prophet ﷺ is a guide. It's not a contradiction. Rather, these are two different types of guidance that's being spoken about. Where Allah says that Prophet Muhammad ﷺ guides to a straight path, meaning He possesses the knowledge to guide people. Then in the other verse where Allah states that He doesn't guide, meaning he doesn't control who's going to accept the, 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 the knowledge or who's going to follow the knowledge. The Prophet doesn't control that. <coughs> the Prophet وسلم, doesn't control who's going to die upon the guidance. As he only had the ability to call.
And we see that when the Prophet ﷺ visited the Jewish boy, and he used to work for the Prophet ﷺ. And then he said to him, Aslam, accept Islam. فَنَظَرَ إِلَىٰ أَبِيهِ He looked at his father, فَقَالَ لَهُ أَبُوهُ أَتِعَبَ الْقَاسِمُ So the boy, he looked at his father, his father said, Obey Abu al-Qasim. And then he accepted Islam, and he died upon Islam. فَخَرَجَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهِ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمُ وَقَالَ أَرْحَمْدُ لِلَّهِ الَّذِي أَنْقَضَهُ بِي مِنَ النَّارِ الحمد لله الذي أنقذه بي من النار. The Prophet sallallahu left the home saying, "All of the praise is due to Allah, the one who has saved him by way of me from the hellfire." Who did he attribute the matter to? Allah subhanahu wa taala. It wasn't him who was the cause of the boy accepting Islam. In the sense that the Prophet had control over that? No. Allah is the one who caused the boy to accept Islam. Not the Prophet. He didn't have control over that. And had the Prophet had control over that, then his uncle would have been guided. Because the Prophet went to his uncle, just like he went to the Jewish boy, while he was on his deathbed. And he said, Ya Ammi, qul la ilaha illallah. كَرِمَ أُحَاجُ بِهَا عَنْكَ إِنَّ اللَّهِ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ Oh my uncle, say la ilaha illallah, a statement I can defend you with in front of Allah on the Day of Judgment. The last words of the uncle of the Prophet, أَنَا عَلَى مِلَّةِ عَبْدِ الْمُطَّلِبِ I'm upon the, the way of Abdul Muttalib. He died as a mushrik. So why is it that the Prophet's uncle, who aided the Prophet and supported the Prophet and knew he was truly a Prophet from Allah, why is it that he died upon shirk and then the Jewish boy who was raised as a Jew, Jewish parents, he dies as a Muslim? Allah yahdi man yasha. Allah dies whomsoever he wills. And that is the virtue of Allah that he gives to whomsoever he wills. So it is a matter of asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for the guidance. This is an act of worship. Also, this is an acknowledgement that Allah as a Rajal controls the guidance, which is from Rububiyyah. Because Rububiyyah, or the Lordship of Allah, is the actions of Allah, Afa'alullah as a Rajal. The path of those whom your favor is upon, which is another dua, that not only you're asking Allah for guidance, but you're asking Allah to be guided to the path of those whom He has favored. And who are they? Allah Azza wa Jal mentions, وَمَنْ يُتِعِ اللَّهِ وَالرَّسُولِ فَأُولَٰئِكَ مَعَ الَّذِينَ أَنَعَمَ اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِمْ مِنَ النَّبِيِّينَ وَالصِّدِّكِينَ وَالشُّهَدَاءَ وَالصَّالِحِينَ وَحَسُنَ أُولَٰئِكَ وَرَفِيقًا Whoever obeys Allah and the Messenger, then those are the ones whom are with the Prophets, or those are, those are the ones whom Allah has favored, 
or bestowed his favor upon from the prophets and the truthful and the martyrs and the righteous and beautiful it is those individuals are as companionship so the best of the people are these categories of people the prophets the truthful the martyrs and the righteous and from our ummah we have the prophet being prophet muhammad sallallahu As-Siddiq is Abu Bakr radiallahu The Shuhada from them, Umar al-Khattab, Uthman ibn Affan, Ali ibn Abi Talib, Hamza, and other than them radiallahu anhum ajma'in. And the Sarihun, the Sahaba, all of them, they are righteous. So this dua that we make, asking Allah to guide us to the path of those who must favor this point, we're asking Allah to make us upon the way of the Prophet wasallam and the Sahaba. And all the other Prophets and the truthful and the martyrs and the righteous who came before them. For these people Allah has favored them in the time of Nuh salam, in the time of Ibrahim salam, in the time of Musa. The Prophets and the people who are with them, we want to be like them. People who submitted to Allah, worshipping Allah alone, people who are obedient to Allah, we want to be like them. For these individuals, they will be in paradise. We want to be in paradise with them. And we love them. As the Prophet ﷺ mentioned, المرء مع من أحب That the person will be with those whom he loved. So if you love Prophet Muhammad ﷺ, you love Abu Bakr, you love Umar, you love Uthman, you love Ali, you love Bilal, Abu Huraira, Abdullah ibn Umar, you love... You love Fatima, you love Hassan, you love Hussein, you love all of the Sahaba. From the families of the, of the Prophet, from the believers from amongst them, and those who are not family members. We love all of them. Inshallah Ta'ala will be with them. We'll be with them. Because we love them, and a part of loving them is emulating them, taking them as a qudwa, a, an example. غير المغضوب عليهم ولا الضالين not the path of those whom your favor is upon not the path of those excuse me whom your anger is upon nor those who are astray this is also dua and the dua is for Allah as we are asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to protect us from the paths of evil and the paths of evil are two and they are knowing and not practicing and practicing and not knowing. Knowing and not practicing is the way of the Yahud. Al-ilm bila amal. Knowledge without action. This is the way of the Jews. And then you have al-amal bila ilm. Then you have the, the, the action without knowledge. This is the way of the Nasara. And both of them come from shaitan. As mentioned by Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah rahimahullah and Shaykh al-Islam ibn Qalm al-Jawziyah إِذَا أَمَرَ اللَّهُ الْعَبْدِ أَمْرٍ But when Allah commands the servant with the commandment, the shaitan, what he comes with regarding the commandment, ifrat or al-tafreed. Extremism or negligence, one or the other. 
regarding that command. Wala yubali. Don't he doesn't care which one you fall into, as long as you fall into one of those manners. Ifrat al tafrit. Ifrat is the extremist, meaning you, you, you go beyond the legislative boundary. You go beyond the commandment of Allah. That's misguidance. All tafrit, all the negligence. You know what the commandment is, but you fall short. You don't carry it out. This is how the shaitan, he leads the people astray. And this is connected to the two categories of fitan or fitna. Fitna to shubuhat and fitna to shahawat. The fitna of uh, doubt. And that's where extremism comes from. The ifrat. And the fitna of shahawat, the fitna of desires. That's where the, taf- uh, the tafreed comes from, the, the negligence. Meaning you know better, but you're following your lowly desires. So the Fatiha consists of seeking protection from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from both categories of fitna, the fitna of desires and the fitna of doubts. Which one is worse? The fitna of doubts or the fitna of desires? What you say? Shahwat. What you say? Sheikh? Ma huwa ashad? Ma huwa ashad? Fitna to shahwat or fitna to shubuhat? Shahwat. What you say, Sheikh? Don't. What you say, Sheikh? I don't choose. <laughs> what you say? Fitna to shubuhat ashad. لأن صاحب الشهوات يعلم أنه على الخطأ فأسهل له أن يتوب أما صاحب الشبهات هو يظن هو على الصواب فنادرا أن يتوب نادرا لأنه يرى نفسه هو على الصراط المستقيم the fitna of doubts is worse than the fitna of desires because the person who's following his desires, meaning the evil, the the lust, and the, he knows he's doing wrong. He knows he's doing wrong. So it's easier for this individual, or more likely the person will repent. More than likely the person will he knows better, astaghfirullah, I'm stealing, I shouldn't be stealing. I'm drinking khamar, I shouldn't be drinking khamar, I'm committing zina. This is wrong, I know I shouldn't be doing this. Perhaps Ramadan comes and he starts dying, he makes tawbah. But the person who is upon the, the doubts, the person thinks that what he's doing is correct. So it's rare that this individual Repent because he thinks he's on the straight path. He thinks that he's getting closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So the individual rarely repents. But both are evil. And we ask Allah to protect us from both. Not just one and not the other. No, both. We ask Allah to protect us. Keep us away from this. Keep us away from that. Because both lead to the hellfire. 
people of innovation are not considered as extremists. They are extremists. Um, uh, Narika people like the Jackson. They're extremists. Well, we don't call them extremists. As you maybe don't extremists call them extremists. ISIS and all those. All of them are extremists. Yeah. Well, we don't call Why not? Who don't call them? I don't, I mean, who you? Yeah, you? somebody says they're extremists. They are extremists. You don't call them extremists? No, we don't. That's, don't say we, say you. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're extremists. Because look, as they're in supposed a, to be, yeah. No, for sure. It, that's for one aspect. Then you look at their extremism regarding their, the shuyukha, the tariqah. They raise them up to levels even higher than that of Prophet Muhammad sallallahu but that's shaitan carrying the person. I, one brother, he told me he was in Sudan. He said he went to a gathering. He said the shaykh started levitating off of the ground. He said he got out of there. He said when he turned back and looked, he said the shaykh was in the, was in the sky, like levitating off of the ground. Yeah. But the shaykh, the shaitan, he helps them. That's, that's from shaitan. It's not that he has some special powers, no, it's Rashid Khan. But they have extremism with them. They have extremism with them. And some people, they have both. Extremism from one aspect, negligent from another aspect. Like both Jews and Christians, they have both with them. They have extremism and they both have negligence. The sheikhs know they are... That's what I'm saying. There's the negligence from the aspect of them knowing better and not doing what's right. So both groups have both you know, uh, characteristics. And this is why it's important that when we are reciting Fatiha in the Salat, that we really mean it. And not just reading, you know, reading because it's Salat and we gotta say Fatiha. No, but your heart is hadr, and your, your, your heart is present. Your heart, your heart is, and is focused upon what are you saying in the Fatiha. Oh, yes. Why do you, well, I see most people don't like to say an amen at the end of Because that's where it's only reported that you say it, inside of the Salat. Do you say the amen in silence or and no, you don't say it at all? No, you say it in, in the Salat. You say it loudly in no, the Salat. No, out of Salat. It's not reported that, for instance, when the Sahabi recited over the man who was stung, it's not said that he recited Fatiha and he said at the end, I mean. He recited Fatiha over him as a Rukia. But there's no mentioning that he said, I mean. He says he recited Fatiha. So in the Salat, because the Prophet mentioned when the Imam says, I mean, say, I mean. This is where we know that I mean should be said. So this is where you find that outside of the Salat, if a person was to recite Fatiha, he doesn't. Uh, recite the, um, or well, he doesn't say that I mean. Also, the hadith, uh, al Qudsi, when the Prophet mentioned that Allah says, Qasamtu as-sura, bayni wa bayna abdi nasfain. I divided the prayer into two halves between me and my slave. Fa'idha qala alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen, qud hamidani abdi. Like that. 
وإذا قال إياك نعبد وإياك نستعين هذا بينه وبين عبده ولعبده ما سأل فلأن إذن منشن أب آمين yes. فاتحة The ulama, they say, اشتملت على شفاء القلوب وشفاء الأبدان سبحان الله فاتحة consists of the cure for the hearts and the cure for the bodies so it's a physical cure for your body for sicknesses and ailments and it's also the abstract cure for the sicknesses of the heart it says that the sicknesses of the heart are based upon two matters fasadul ilm and fasadul qasd the corruption of one's knowledge and the corruption of one's intentions this is the sicknesses <laughs> these sicknesses of the heart the corruption of knowledge الناتج عن الضلال وفساد القصد الناتج عن الغضب The corruption of the knowledge is the result of misguidance and the corruption of one's intentions is the result of the anger the anger, meaning when a person's knowledge becomes corrupted, this is an indication that the person is astray. Misguidance is there. And when a person's intentions are corrupted, this is an indication that the anger of Allah is upon this individual. Like the Jews and the Christians. Allah is angry with the Jews. Because they, their, their intentions are corrupted. They know better, but they don't do what they know. So they have, the knowledge is correct with them. The knowledge that they have is correct. But their intentions, their practices is, 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 is their practice is evil. They knew Prophet Muhammad sallallahu was a prophet, but yet they tried to poison him. Or they poisoned him. They knew Prophet Muhammad sallallahu was a prophet, but yet they afflicted him with sorcery. They knew Prophet Muhammad sallallahu was truly a prophet, but yet they aided or attempted to aid the polytheists against him and the likes. So they have their intentions are corrupted. Whereas the Nasada, you find them, they are people, their knowledge is corrupt. They don't know better. So they do things and they think that these things are religious and get them closer to Allah, but in reality, it is misguidance. So when we say, إِيَّاكَ نَعْبُدُ وَإِيَّاكَ نَسْتَعِينَ 
This entails the shifa. is the cure. It is the cure for the corruption of the heart. The corruption of knowledge and the corruption of intentions. When we say you alone Allah we worship, this is the cure for our intentions, that what we do is for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And you alone Allah we seek for help, meaning we seek your help and your aid to worship you correctly, so that's the knowledge. Also as we know, the Fatiha it is a cure for the bodies. As we have in the narration of Abu Sa'id al-Khudri radiallahu an, where the Sahaba, they went to a town and they sought to be hosted, but the people refused. The people refused to host them. And then the leader from amongst them was stung or bitten by something poisonous. So they went to the Sahaba and asked them, do you have any incantation with you, any ruqya with you? Our leader has been stung. So Abu Sa'id al-Budri radiallahu an mentioned to them that we requested from you that you host us and you refuse. So we'll cure him by Allah's permission, but you have to give us something as a compensation. So they agreed. So Abu Sa'id al-Khudri recited Fatiha over the man. And he said he got up as if nothing ever happened. But there were some doubts in relation to them taking something for the recitation. And they went to the Prophet وسلم, for clarity. And the Prophet said to Abu Sa'id al-Khudri, وَمَا يُدَرِيكَ أَنَّهَا رُقْيَ And what made you know that it was a ruqya, a means of cure? And the Prophet ﷺ commanded that they split up that which was given and they give him his share. But as a side point, the scholars, they say, this is different from someone setting himself up as a Iraqi to get paid to be a Iraqi. Something happened, they provided a service in exchange for something. It wasn't that he set himself up and that people come to him and then he's charging a fee, for, you know, as this is his job. Two different situations. Two different situations. Because some try to use that narration to say, well, Abu Sa'id al-Khudri and the Sahaba, they took something for the Rukia, so, so now individuals setting up Rukia centers and then the people come to them and then they charge them a fee. No, this is not allowed. This is not acceptable. In any event, 
the point here is that Abu Sa'id al-Fiqhi, he cured the man by the permission of Allah with the ruqya. Also, there is a Shaykh uh, al-Islam ibn Qayyim al-Jawziyah. He mentioned how This matter of reciting the Fatiha is from the easiest treatment that the servant can treat himself with. And he said if the if the individual, if the servant was to treat himself in a good manner with the Fatiha, then he would see amazing results. He said that he was in Mecca and he became sick and there was no doctor that he can go to and there was no medicine that was there he said so he began to treat himself with Fatiha he said and he's seen amazing results so he said so as a result of that anytime someone would come to him and complain of pain or sickness he said he would recommend for this individual to recite Fatiha over himself. And he says many from amongst them quickly became cured or uh, treated by way of the Fatiha. So, Barakallah Fikum. Surah Al-Fatiha, Akhawat, has many, many, many tremendous benefits and it is upon the people to not only learn the Fatiha, because as the Prophet said, لا صراط لمن لم بفاتحة الكتاب that there is no prayer for the one who does not recite the opening chapter of the book. One must recite the Fatiha in order for the Salat to be sound. And this is for the Imam as well as the followers. And this is in both audible prayers and the silent prayers. And this is the position we have mentioned to be the strongest of the positions uh, as some of the ulama have stated. But along with learning the Fatiha itself, meaning memorizing it and knowing the proper recitation, one must know the meaning of the Fatiha. One must know the meaning of the Fatiha. Because, barakallahu fikum, this is the greatest surah in the Quran. Surah the Fatiha. Yes. Um, if I know you know how to do it, yeah, and then I come to you asking for There's no problem with that, except that when you seek Rukia from someone else, this uh, I'm just looking for the right wording. This causes you to lose the opportunity to be from 
the 70,000 people who are enter into paradise without reckoning. It doesn't mean you won't enter into paradise, it just means you won't be from that 70,000 because from the description of the 70,000, they don't seek ruqya from people. Meaning, if they get they treat themselves. They put their trust in Allah, they treat themselves. But, sometimes, but it's permissible to seek ruqya. No, what I'm asking is, asking like they, you, for the service. Like the people who came in to ask, or rather, the people he told, yeah. read in Fatiha, to solve their problem. If they give him money, now is it illegal for him to... It it's not, but the point is that the scholars are speaking about the individuals who set themselves up as the person who makes ruqya and then charges a fee. This is wrong. That's not what Abu Sa'id al-Khudri did. Rather, the people came to him and asked him, could he assist them? And they would say, okay, we will do it in exchange for this. That's a different scenario from a person opening up a, a, a center and saying that he's a professional Iraqi and he can treat the people, and then the people are coming and he's charging the fee. This is not uh, what was done by Abu Sa'id al Khudri. Bismillah, alhamdulillah, wa salatu wa salam ala nabiyya Muhammad wa ala alihi wa ashabihi ajma'in amma ba'd. We come to matters of jurisprudence connected uh, to the woman. And in the last class, we left off with the mannerism of fulfilling one's needs. And to go back due to uh, the layoff that we had, um, when a woman goes to relieve herself and she enters into the area of relieving herself, it is upon her to do a few things. Number one, to make sure that she is away from the eyesight of the people. And this is especially when she is relieving herself outside. She may be in a situation where she is outside and she is relieving herself outside as in the time of the Prophet ﷺ and the Sahaba, they did not have uh, bathrooms indoors, but rather it, it was an area that's known to be the area that people go to to relieve themselves and the people will go out. So if she's in a situation like that where she has to relieve herself outside, then she must go away from the eyesight of the people. As there is a narration on the authority of Jabir ibn Abdullah radiallahu anhumah, قَالَ خَرَجْنَا مَعَ رَسُولِ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ فِي سَفَرْ وَكَانَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صلى الله عليه وسلم لا يأتي البراز حتى يضيف فلا يرى جابر بن عبد الله رضي الله عنهما he stated we went out with the messenger of Allah صلى الله عليه وسلم during our travels or during, or during a travel and the messenger صلى الله عليه وسلم did not come to a time where he had to relieve himself except until he was no longer seen, or he did not go out to relieve himself until he was not seen by the people. Meaning he would go far away to where no one can see him from the people, and then he would 
relief. Ask for in the home, then the woman should close the door so as their children do not see them relieving themselves and see from their mother that which they should not see or the guest or others as for the husband then the husband is allowed to be in a bathroom with his wife during the time that she's relieving herself as the husband is allowed to see the wife and the wife is allowed to see the husband as the Prophet وسلم, he used to take a ghusl with Aisha and they would be looking at each other. Before relieving oneself or entering to the area of relieving oneself, one should make dua as a means of protection. Prophet taught to say, Bismillah, Allahumma inni a'udhu bika min al-khubati wal-khaba'ith. In the name of Allah, O oh Allah indeed, I seek refuge to you in the male and the female jinn. And again, this is protect, seeking protection with Allah from the harm of the jinn, the males and the females. Also, there is another narration where the Prophet Sallallahu stated, Sitru ma bayna a'yun al-jinn wa awrati bani adam idha dakhala ahaduhum al-khala an yakula bismillah. The Prophet Sallallahu said, the covering between the eyes of the jinn and the private parts of the children of Adam when one of them enters into the area to relieve himself or herself is that the person says Bismillah this is very important to cover yourself and to screen your privates from the jinn you say Bismillah when you're about to go inside before you go in no. or even inside but the du'a you said earlier, is that insufficient as well? Like if you just say that du'a and walk in? You may be going inside of the area, the bathroom area not to relieve yourself. Maybe going to take a shower. Oh, then just, oh. Bismillah, to cover your privates. Oh, so the, 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 the du'a you said for previously is just for... That's for the using of the bathroom. Allahumma inni a'udhu bika min al-khubati wal But like while she's taking a shower. Say that again. See, even if you are inside... What do you mean? Yes, you're going to... The issue is, it is dislike to mention Allah's name while you are relieving yourself. While you are relieving yourself. And it is dislike to mention Allah's name or the... No, based upon the actions of the Prophet wasallam, while you are not in a state of wudu. Meaning you just relieve yourself and you haven't made wudu yet. The Prophet... Someone gave salams to him. He had just finished relieving himself. He didn't respond. He went and made wudu, and then he said, "Wa alaykum as-salam." As he disliked to mention Allah's name, and he was not in a state of purification. Because when you say as-salam, that's Allah. He is as Allah is as-salam. 
So he hated to mention Allah's name after relieving himself before he made wudu. This is disliked. Now, so the bathroom is the place where you relieve yourself. So this is where you find, don't mention Allah's name in the bathroom. Because this is the place where you relieve yourself. If I say I want to take a shower, I want to wash my hands, you say Bismillah, walk in. Because you're going to uncover your aura. This is the issue. Yeah. You want the jinn looking at your aura? No, no, the point is, I want to answer my question. No. Okay, say Bismillah. I just wanted to distinguish between two duas. Say Bismillah to cover your aura. Before entering, right? Before you, before you, when you take Bismillah, when you're taking off your clothes, maybe going to shower, you're not going to relieve yourself. You want to cover your aura from the eyes of the jinn, you say Bismillah. When you're going in the bathroom to relieve yourself, remember there were no bathrooms in the time of the Prophet So what's meant is before you relieve yourself, you say this. So you find the scholar saying, before you enter into the bathroom, you say, but let's say you forgot. You say it. Shaykh. Barakallah feek. The issue is what? The protection from? The jinn, right? From their harm. It is not haram for a person to speak in the bathroom. It's disliked. The Prophet disliked to mention Allah's name while relieving himself or after relieving himself and he did not make wudu yet. Because you shouldn't, this is not the time to mention Allah's name, you're relieving yourself. And this is why the Prophet would say, Gufranaka when he finished. Because it was a time frame that he was not remembering Allah. Normally, in all situations, the Prophet is remembering Allah. But when he goes to relieve himself, he wouldn't remember Allah during the time. So a person who's going to the bathroom, he forgets to say Bismillah before he enters in. If he says Bismillah while in the bathroom, he's not sinful. Sheikh, my concern is not at all about Only bathrooms are places that are very dirty? Only bathrooms are places that are very dirty? I'm just saying, so if you're in an elevator in the projects and there's pee in the elevator, you can't mention Allah? Hey, you can't mention Allah in the elevator? Until the elevator starts shaking, right? And you feel like you're about to fall. There's, oh Allah, help me please, right? They're all that's out the window. <laughs> then that's fixed out the window, right? Because now, that elevator feel like it's about to drop 15 flights, right? You, ain't, you don't care about the pee no more in the, over in the corner, right? No, Sheikh, of course. In areas where you relieve yourself, you person should not mention Allah's name. This is not the place for that. No, no, you shouldn't, you shouldn't. The Prophet is mentioned he would turn the ring around that had Allah's name on it. He would turn it the other way. 
showing that in a time of relieving yourself, Barakallah Fikum, this is not the time of mentioning Allah or remembering Allah verbally. Aisha described the Prophet as what? Kana Rasulullah sallallahu that the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam would remember Allah in all of his situations. But when he would go to relieve himself, at the time that he's relieving himself, he would not say Allah's name. He would not mention Allah. And then once he finished, somebody gives him the salams, he would not respond until he made wudu. Because he wanted to be in a state of purification. And then he mentions Allah's name. So it's not so much the ground is dirty or the wall is dirty or it, 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 the place has a smell. It is more so connected to your state of relieving yourself. We're not allowed to pray in those areas because najis is upon the ground and filth is upon the ground of many the impurities that is. So whatever the impurity is on the ground, you can't pray in that area, whether it's a bathroom or not a bathroom. If there's impurities on the ground, you cannot pray on that impurity. There's urine and feces on the ground. I'm talking about when it's on the ground, Sheikh. Come on. on When it's on the ground, you can't pray in that area. Or the areas that are designated for people to relieve themselves. You cannot pray in those areas. Because of the presence of impurities or the strong possibility of there being impurity. People clean bathrooms, yes or no? They do. Okay. So after the janitor cleans the bathroom, you can go in there and pray? That's what I'm asking. No, Sheikh, because that's the area that's designated for relieving oneself. And so in most cases, that area is impure. So it's not that you don't pray there because it's not clean, but because you shouldn't pray there because that's a place where... And the possibility of the impurity being on the floor for the most cases because that's the place where the people relieve themselves. The janitor mops one area, he figures another area is urine on the ground. That's not the place for prayer because the place is impure or for the majority, the impurity is there. Even when the janitors go and clean it, it doesn't make it permissible to pray in those places because it is the place where people relieve themselves. That's not the place for worship. It's not the place for worship. And likewise, when a person is relieving himself, that's not the time when a person should be remembering Allah's name. You shouldn't mention Allah's name. But now if he does, is he sinful? No. Can't say he committed a sin. Because it's something the Prophet disliked to do. He disliked, you know, and this is out of respect for the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Out of respect for Allah's words. A person shouldn't be in the bathroom, he's not going over Quran. He's reviewing. No, no, that's not the place for that. It's possible, for sure. Cleaning in some masjids, as far as the walls and the floor, how it looks. You understand? But no, that's the place that's designated for relieving when you're relieving oneself from the impurities. 
So that's not the place of prayer. Not all the time a matter is prohibited just because, or like in regard to prayer, the place is dirty. Now there may be another reason connected to it. Like for instance, the graveyards. Okay, the graveyard is clean, but you still can't pray in here because of what's connected to it, like the matter of the door of the shirt being opened and maybe it leading to a person who sees you praying and they're thinking that you're praying to a person in the grave that you're actually just making salat. But the person who's far away, who sees you and believes you are a righteous person, now after you leave, they come back and do the same thing you did, praying to the person in the grave. So now the door sure gets opened up. But the places of uh, relieving oneself, these places are dirty in most cases. And the filth and the impurity is there. We don't pray there. And at the same time, this is not uh, a place for worship. This is a place for relieving yourself. Now, Aisha radiallahu anha mentioned, كان النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم إذا خرج من الخلاء قال غفرانك. Aisha radiallahu anha she said. That the Prophet ﷺ, whenever he would leave from the area where he relieved himself, he would say, Gufranaka. And he, oh Allah, seek your forgiveness. And again, uh, the scholars mention the reason why the Prophet ﷺ, uh, would say that is because of it being a time where he was not remembering Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Bismillah, alhamdulillah, wa salatu wa salam ala nabiyyana Muhammad wa ala alihi wa ashabihi ajma'in amma ba'd. We continue with the benefits from the biography of the wife of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Sauda bin Zan'a, radiyallahu anha. Uh, we come to the matter of some of the virtues of Sauda. We, we covered in the past class of how she married the Prophet and that she was from the first of the Muslims who believed in the Prophet and she was with the Prophet in Mecca. She was his wife after the death of Khadija radiallahu anha, and she was with him for the time period uh, while he was in Mecca before his hijrah, having no co-wife. And alhamdulillah, she uh, took care of the children of the Prophet sallallahu that he had from Khadija. And the Prophet sallallahu also in marrying her as she had family also. And this was a generous gesture and act of kindness on the behalf of the Prophet or from the Prophet From the benefits of or virtues of Sauda, 
is that she was a woman who was strict in following the command of the Prophet And that matter is seen when the Prophet made Hajj with his wives. The Prophet said afterwards, Hadihi Fumma Zuhur Husuf. Or in another wording, Hiya Hadihi Fumma Jurus Ala Zuhur Husuf Fil Buyut. Another wording, Inna Hiya Hadihi Fumma Alaykum Bi Zuhur Husuf. The Prophet ﷺ, he said to his wives after making the Hajj, this is the Hajj and then after that on top of the mats. Or as one wording comes, Indeed, it is only this hajj and then after that, on top of the mats. And what is understood or what was understood by Sauda is that after that hajj, it was upon the, the wives of the Prophet to remain in the home and not go out to make another hajj. And it is mentioned, this was the implementation of the statement of Allah, وَقَرْنَ فِي بُيُوتِكُنَّ وَلَا تَبَرَّجَنَا تَبَرُّجَ الْجَاهِلِيَةِ الْأُولَى And remain in your homes, and do not make a dazzling display of yourselves like the dazzling display of the first jahiliyyah. So, Sauda from what she understood from the Prophet Sallallahu based upon that verse and based upon his statement is that she was not to come out of her house anymore. So Sauda, as well as Zainab bint Jash, the other wife of the Prophet Sallallahu they understood that it was upon them to remain in the homes and to never make another hajj again after the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. However, the other wives of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, they did make hajj. So it was a matter of ishtihad between the wives of the Prophet. What was the actual understanding? The understanding of Sauda and Zainab was don't go out of the home. Period. Not even for Hajj. The other wives of the Prophet Sallallahu their understanding was remain in the homes unless there is a suitable situation to go out, like making another Hajj or a religious matter or going to the masjid or visiting a relative or the sick or the likes. But in both cases, both groups of wives, they are rewarded. They are rewarded. But 
from Sauda radiallahu anha just to show that this is what she understood and she stuck to it out of obedience to Allah and obedience to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. That's the point from here. And this is not to say that the other wives of the Prophet sallallahu disobeyed the Prophet. No, they had their understanding of what the Prophet meant. Nah. And it is stated that Sauda and Zainab, they used to say, Wallahi, لا تحركنا دابة بعد قول رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم هذه ثم ظهر الحصر. Both of them used to say, We swear by Allah that an animal will not move us again after the statement of the Messenger of Allah. This is the hanjid and after that on top of the mats. Meaning the mats are in the home, remain in your home, sitting on top of them. Not literally you have to sit in that one spot, but meaning stay in the home. Now, the other narration or wording, the Prophet said, "Hiya hadihi, thumma al-julus ala dhuhur al-husr fil buyud." This is it right here. This is the Hajj, and then after that, sitting upon on top of the mats in the homes. So again, the point or the shahid. Is that Sauda radiallahu anha? She understood that it wasn't for her to go out of the house anymore, and she remained upon that until she passed away after the death of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. And this is an indication, as was mentioned, regarding her being a woman who is strict to adhere to the commandments of the Prophet wasallam? And again, this does not mean that the other wives who understood something different were not strict upon following the Prophet wasallam, But they were. They, they, all of the wives of the Prophet wasallam, they were obedient to the Prophet wasallam. But this is something that the ulama have pointed out regarding her seriousness in following the Prophet wasallam. And that's what she understood and she held to it out of obedience to Allah and obedience to the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Inshallah Ta'ala will stop at this point. Whatever is correct is praise is for Allah alone. Whatever is incorrect is from myself. Wa subhanaka Allahumma bihamdika shalom wa la ilaha illa anta